As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner here on a Monday with Austin Meek, which means Michigan football talk. I don't know how many of you are <laughs> ready to do this, but uh, Austin, I, Austin, how are we doing, first of all, before we get into the debacle on Michigan's end that happened there on Saturday? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, boy, definitely a little different mood in here today, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty dramatic swing from week one to week two. I uh, got, yeah. got a little whiplash going on here. I think I got to get whiplash, my neck checked yeah. out. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it because it was both sides. Like Michigan State could not have looked any worse a week ago and Michigan couldn't have looked any better a week ago and they completely flip in another chapter in what has been a crazy 2020. But really, Austin... While we can't ignore, obviously, the fact that this year is nuts and we've seen some crazy upsets and we've seen some crazy stuff this season and we probably still will, you know, as things go forward, there were familiar problems uh, for Michigan here that have been a theme for a long time that you got to see last year. You saw it again in this game. Just, you know, settle your whiplash and just give me your original, your initial sort of thoughts on, you know, what was in your head when you're walking out of that building there on Saturday. Yeah, I think we all are willing to give a little bit of leeway for the really unusual circumstances that everybody in college football is dealing with. And I think for most programs, everybody has adjusted their standards accordingly. But there were some things for Michigan that you just couldn't do this year, and Mm -hmm. losing to Michigan State was one of them. Uh, there's just no no excuse for that. You know, it's not like Michigan was playing shorthanded. It's not like they had a bunch of guys out for contact tracing. I mean, they had their full team healthy. Uh, they had a full week to prepare against a team that I Michigan was better. You know, Michigan is a more yeah. talented team, uh, and I give a ton of credit to Michigan State for how prepared they were. You know, they came out there with a game plan and attacked Michigan in some ways that Michigan clearly didn't expect, but. 
Now, this is a Michigan problem. It's a Jim Harbaugh problem. And as you say, it's it's we've seen this before. You know, Michigan yeah. has these games where they come out and they they just don't look prepared. Uh, and clearly, you know, they're they're not they're not focused. They're not ready to go. Uh, the attention to detail and the execution isn't there. And that's just something that we have said too many times during Jim Harbaugh's tenure. Yeah, it's a consistency problem that continues to be confounding to a point where you can't do anything but point to the top. And, you know, how can a team go from looking, and I wrote this on Saturday, and I know we've talked about this, and I will stand by it till the end of the day. What Michigan did against Minnesota remains impressive to me because of the way they were able to prepare in the offseason and get themselves ready to go in a game like that, you know, with with returning players, you know, with a bunch of guys who were playing for the first time and all this. That was impressive. They looked prepared on every level. And then to turn around one week later and look like they hadn't practiced is just like, what are you doing? Like, what what is what is the culture of, you know, mental toughness, consistency, discipline in terms of making sure that you're doing what it takes every week to be at a championship level? They just don't have it. And, you know, Michigan State... Like you said, Austin, we don't know everything where Mel Tucker's program's going, but obviously they were up against the wall. They had to figure it out, and they put together a game plan that if I had to guess, they probably took a lot longer than a couple days to put together and probably spent a lot more than maybe a day or two just perusing through it. They knew everything Michigan wanted to do on offense. They knew what they they knew exactly what they wanted to do to them when they had the ball, and they executed. And that's that's the, that's it. That's the end of the day. They were cleaner, they played harder. They played with more mental toughness, and they were more prepared. That is such an indictment on a coaching staff led by a guy who makes as much money as any, you know, more money than most people in the country. His entire offensive staff was back. I, I, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we talked about earlier in the season about we'll, need, we'll know everything we need to know about where they're going after that maybe that Wisconsin game. But if they have a you know clunker like this beforehand, then it'll it'll answer it for us. I mean that's exactly what this is. It's the same. I mean they're just he just they cannot get guys to be at that you know no nonsense blinders on level for a thirteen game schedule uh, and and certainly in this eight game schedule as we've seen it it hasn't happened either. But that's that's it at the at the at the end of the day. I mean they just can't play with that type of focus. It seems like and. I don't know what the explanation is other than you have to point up top and say that, you know, it's just not working the way they want it to work. I don't think there's any program in America that oscillates more quickly between people thinking that they're back and they're going to go to the college football playoff and people thinking that they need to fire their coach. I mean, maybe Texas, you know, there's a few (laughs) teams that you can put in that conversation that, (laughs) that seem to do this every year, but Michigan is definitely one of them. And if you listen to this podcast last week, you know, both of us were, I think, pretty optimistic about the yeah. ceiling for this team. Uh, and, you know, that that's what we saw in, in the first week. And I think the really maddening part about it, if you're a Michigan fan or, or if you just follow the Michigan program, it's not like the the optimism just comes out of nowhere. You know, it's not like it's just purely right. unsubstantiated. Like they, you see things that tell you what this program ought to be. Um, you know, if you watch that game against Minnesota, you saw what Michigan ought to be and what Michigan is capable of being. It just, you know, it it wasn't made up out of thin air. It, you know, you saw it. Uh, but what you don't see is the consistency. And I, I think that this is the, you know, this is the big lesson with Michigan that, yeah. you know, we all get burned by it. But it doesn't matter how good they look in their good moments. They just have not shown that they can sustain it over the course of a, a full season under Jim Harbaugh. They just, 
they just can't. You know, they you see what the potential is, but you also just know that they're not going to be able to keep it up, and that's that's the sad reality of of where things stand with Jim Harbaugh. It's just it's hard to see this program getting the point where they're able to consistently play at the level that that they ought to be at. Yeah, it's exhausting. I think for people beyond the word exhausting at this point, I would say you know fans and such that talk to us and you you hear from people that are normally normally level headed people that are just you know you hear from them nowadays and it's just you know what what is even happening here? Like what's the what's the point of any of this? You know, you know, how does a team go from looking like that to looking like what happened, you know, within one week? And and it's it's difficult to answer, but it's just it's another, you know, there's a stubbornness here that's that hasn't gone away um, in, in many years now. There's um, there's a there's an inflated. I don't know if entitlement is the word, uh, you know, arrogance or something. I don't know what the word would be, but there's an inflated opinion of of one's self going on, I think, a lot of times in this program. Um, and I think, and I don't think that's just a product of guys going in August and talking to the media about how so-and-so is a really good player and we think he's the best guy in the Big Ten. Like, I think that that's whatever. I, I mean, maybe you could do without it, right? Like, maybe you don't have to do that. But at the same time, I think that they get into situations, and we saw it on Saturday, where they start trusting guys to do stuff that you know, they're not ready to do and they don't have an answer for the alternative when it's proven that they're not ready to do something. Like when when Vincent Gray is put out on an island and Michigan State knows that he's going to have a hard time with these fly routes and you just keep running them and he keeps getting beat and there's nothing else. There's no <laughs> there's there's nothing else to do. I mean, people people got upset about why isn't he playing zone? Well, he did. Why isn't he playing more man and blitzing? Well, he did. Like Michigan State got the drop on him from the minute the game started, and they were chasing uh, from behind the hole, and they could never come back. They couldn't. They couldn't catch up. They were playing and digging out of a hole that they created, and they had no answers. Every time Michigan State exposed the flaw, Michigan instead of finding a way to fix it, kept trying to jam a broken problem, you know, down the throat of an opponent, and it was like it's just not working. And so there were things in this game that did work. There were things in this game that didn't work. And Michigan State knew all of the weaknesses Michigan had. They scouted them better than uh, than the reverse, for sure. And Michigan just did not have any answers for things that were problematic in this game. You know, that's ultimately the biggest thing that I go back to with Jim Harbaugh teams. And it's been different every year, right? It's like, you know, Josh Gaddis is here now. We've seen Pep Hamilton here, Tim Drevno. Um, Don Brown's been here for a while, obviously. But, like, when they get up against it in a game and the water gets really hot, and something doesn't go the way that they thought it was going to go, whether it be via personnel or a certain look or a certain scheme or something, their inability to adjust and change and have another answer in the moment is what winds up being the reason why you see a lot of these games and the way that they do, or you see them wind up in these struggle situations. Like this felt like a lot like the Army game, Austin, last year, yeah. where it was they were able to grind through it. But there's no, you know, by just grinding, that's all they were doing, was just chopping wood and continuing to do it over and over and over again. You're not making life easier on yourself. And I, I can't blame that on Josh Gaddis. He's only been here two years. We've seen that from Jim Harbaugh for six. I mean, it's not Don Brown's fault. The whole, I mean, it's, I guess maybe on some level you could blame Don Brown for it, but Jim Harbaugh's the head coach. And it's, it's this thing that's happened pretty regularly now for several years. And, you know, it, the year that they had all the talent, the year they had all those guys that were NFL players on defense, they were able to get away with it a lot because they just bullied people. Because every time it got tight, they could just bully people and just be like, well, you know what? We're bigger and stronger at the point of attack and we're just going to maul you out of here and that's going to be the end of it. They've tried to do that 
over the years now, the last three or four years, every time they get into a spot and it doesn't work and there's not, you know, I don't know what it is, if it's a disconnect between head coach and coordinator or whatever, but it starts at the top. And that's the biggest thing that I go back to. It's you just, they just don't have answers when things, when they get punched in the face, their counter punches are either weak or they just don't exist. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There's definitely a stubbornness factor that comes into play yeah. with, with Jim Arbaugh's program that we've seen time and time again. And and we saw it again Saturday where they were determined that we're going to put Ben Mason out there at fullback. We're going to try to run the ball between the tackles and mm-hmm. you know establish our credentials as you know this, this powerful team that's going to run it down your throat. And when that wasn't working, we really didn't see... And we didn't see the adjustment uh, or the change up to, you know, to exploit what should have been an advantage for Michigan. At the yeah. times that Michigan tried to get to the edges, uh, right. it looked like it worked pretty well. You know, Blake Corum's speed, we saw that on the touchdown run. We saw that at times when Michigan was able to throw the ball to guys out of the backfield uh, in some space, they were able to make some plays. Uh, but it too many drives just got derailed by negative plays. You know, it's second down, you try to run the ball up the middle, you get stuffed. Now it's third down and Joe Milton's got to make a play. And, you know, Joe Milton was fine. He wasn't, right. He wasn't the reason Michigan lost. But I, the other thing that stuck out to me, you know, in, in terms of Michigan's offensive limitations, Michigan just wasn't able to go down the field with the football. Um, right. You know, the deep middle of the field, there was nothing. Um, it, I think a combination of Michigan's receivers having trouble getting some separation down the field and, and Joe Milton having some trouble connecting on the on the deeper throws. And when you can't do that, I don't know what it looked like to you, Nick, but it, to me it looked like Michigan State's defense was just coming downhill all day and yeah. Michigan couldn't really do anything to back them off. You know, Michigan State was just kind of able to pin their ear, ears back and come after them. Yeah, there were a lot of instances in the run game that were Michigan over the last couple of years, um, and certainly with Gaddis and Ed Warner, have you know developed a pretty good situation that they've, they've had going with their pin pull series, uh, some of the power plays that they run, you know, and all this comes out of these spread looks where we see all this motion and we see that there's a often you know a pass tag on the back half of the play. Um, but Michigan State as w- did a job, you know, as well as anybody we've seen, you know, against Michigan, you know, in terms of you know planning and being prepared. I mean, they just read the puller every time, every time the guard went. Antoine Simmons and Noah Harvey followed him, and they found the ball and they ran through every block, and you know they made plays. And you know Harbaugh said it today; they didn't miss any tackles. Uh, so in that sense, you know, they they came to play and they showed up and they did what they were asked to do. But really, I think Michigan State did a great job of being able to get its linebackers to ignore all of the stuff that Gaddis does that can confuse second-level and third-level defenders and the defensive backs, I would say. I had them in there, in there too. 
they they read their keys, they followed their keys, and they found the ball. And Michigan just didn't have, you know, there were a couple reads maybe that Milton might want back. Uh, there were a couple times where he left the pocket a little early that maybe he'd like back. You know, Michigan State's dropping into into thirds quite often, you know, with Mel Tucker's cover three stuff. Some of that is match coverage. Some of that's hard to read. You know, some of that's some of that's hard to sort through. And I think what ended up happening was is when you don't have, you know, what they would probably consider to be their bread and butter, which is that downhill hammer stuff, uh, when you don't have that to fall back on, it gets harder. And when it gets harder, everybody gets tighter. And when you got a guy making his second start for the first time ever, we saw what happened. I mean, he made some crazy throws in that game that were super, super special that nobody else in the building's making. But he also, you know, forced some and, you know, wasn't seeing some, was a little late on others, and everything just got a little nervous. So Michigan State took away the one thing that they thought, you know, Michigan was going to do better than anybody. And the one thing that they correctly thought they were just going to try to do, they're just going to try to line up and jam it down their throat. They took it away and said, you're going to have to beat us with the other stuff. And they're not ready to do it yet. And that ultimately was the reason why you only see 24 points out of 400 and whatever yards it ended up being. I mean, the there are situational moments throughout this game that you can point to, but really it's, it, the whole thing to me was preparation the week prior. I mean, Michigan State just looked like a team that was better prepared in every area, and that is damning on Jim Harbaugh and his staff. I mean, there's no other way to look at that. Yeah, Michigan's offense should have been better. Uh, they left some points on the field, left some yards on the field. But that was a game where Michigan's defense should have been able to pick up the yeah. slack because you've got a first-time starting quarterback. You've got four new starters on your offensive line. You've got to be prepared for some days when your offense needs some help. And I didn't think Michigan's defense was there to to pick them up the way that the way that they should have been. I mean, look, I've been I've said it on this podcast before. In this era of football, you have to be able to give the keys to your offense and say, "Go win us the game." And 24 points against Michigan State was not good enough for Michigan's yeah. offense. But I also think Michigan's defense, you know, when you look at two pass rushers like Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson, and I don't think Michigan had a sack in the game. You know, right. that's the kind of stuff where you've got to be able to, your defense has got to be able to make a couple game changing plays for you on a day when your offense doesn't have it. Um, and that, you know, that just didn't happen. The game changing plays were Rocky Lombardi going down the field to Mm -hmm. Ricky White, who nobody had really heard of until Saturday, but uh, everybody knows who he is now. I guarantee you Michigan does. Yeah, and that's the thing, right, where it's like, you know, they can do it to you once or twice, and if you're surprised they're going to do it, you know, why do you keep insisting upon this all just alternating and changing? I mean, at some point, you know, and this is what happens with Michigan defensively in a lot of these games, and, you know, we see it too when when they play teams with even talent, when they get chess matched, you know, out of stuff, is that, you know, I mean, at some point it has to go beyond like, well, okay, uh, Hutchinson or Pay, we just need you to get a sack here because we're not changing the coverage and we're not changing anything else. We're going to continue to play this stack. You know, they they they, they bring out the the three three five stuff, which hasn't worked. It didn't work against Minnesota. It didn't work against this one. They get too cute with certain things at times. They're trying too much, and really, what ends up happening was is if you can get into a situation. Uh, offensively against Don Brown's defense to where you get them into a spot where you can expose one weakness and just keep hammering it, you're going to dare him to change. And sometimes he changes and sometimes it's way too late. And I think that that's sort of what this was. I think Jay Johnson and Michigan State's offensive staff did a terrific job of scouting what his tendencies are, you know, kind of what he goes to when you take certain things and you say, okay, we're going to burn you here and here's what his counter is going to be. It was in some ways with much lesser talent, 
reminiscent of some of the stuff we've seen in in past years, where teams with better talent have exposed them, and it looks better. It looks there's more fireworks because they're scoring more points. But in this case, it was really that simple. It was get rid of the ball quick. Don't allow Hutchinson and Pay or any of these blitzes enough time to get home. Take three steps and heave it. We've got faster guys on the edge than they do. I don't care if they can run a route or not. Just do it. And that's what they did. And Michigan just in no way is prepared for this game. In no way is prepared for the personnel that Michigan State's going to bring out. That's that's this has happened before. They've underestimated opponents before. Uh, sometimes at times when you wonder how is that possible, you know, 2018, the Michigan Ohio State game, we can go back to that. Michigan had NFL players on defense. Ohio State was faster in every area, and they trusted themselves to do things they were not going to be capable of doing, and they gave up 62 points. That has been a thing for many years here now, and it's now happening against teams like Michigan State, who uh, turned the ball over seven times against Rutgers. Okay, so like that's that's the stuff that we talk about, and that's the stuff where people just get exhausted with this rug pull constantly. Just you look great one day and the next day you just look like a complete disaster. Like why does this keep happening? The best teams, as everyone will tell you, make their best improvements from one to two, week one to two. Michigan, the last two years, has gone from looking pretty good in week one to a disaster in week two because they haven't adjusted. And there's nowhere else to point but the office of James Harbaugh here. I mean, like, that's it. There's nowhere else to look at it. People are tired. People are really sick of it. Um, I mean, we hear this all the time, right, Austin? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to move on from him? Is he going to quit? Are they going to are they going to do something else? Are they going to resign him? I have no idea what they're going to do, but I do know this. At the end of the day, and we said this at the very beginning of the season, you and I talked on this show, or maybe the old one, whatever. You, they can't go forward in a situation can, telling themselves that there's no way they can do better than the head coach that they currently have. That's foolish. And I think that anybody who's still on that fence had better get off of it because that's not a thing here now. They are not, you, you, this isn't good enough. Whatever this is, the unrealistic expectations about being 12 and over every year, if that's what you're going to hold them to and that's it, then that's not fair. This stuff, th- you should beat this team here. This is ridiculous. I mean, these some of these losses the last couple of years and some of these performances and some of these games you can do better than that for uh, about $2 million less than you're paying the current coach that you have right now. And there's no one, including him, who would disagree with that with that statement. And that's that's kind of how I look at it as we sit here. And I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, as, as you go forward and you look at it, there's no other way it can be viewed as you can't sit here and just say there's no way they could, that Michigan could ever find a coach that could match what Jim Harbaugh's done or do better. That's That narrative has to go away now. Yeah, I've been asked what Jim Harbaugh needs to do this year to guarantee that He's the coach at Michigan next year. And I've told people, look, this is, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Michigan's athletic department, like every athletic department, is trying to figure out its budget in a year when revenue is way down from what's been projected. Coaches are trying to figure out how to coach their teams while first and foremost trying to keep everybody safe and figure out how to actually play a season in a pandemic. So my answer to that question has been, look, I don't see anything happening this year that is going to make Michigan say it's time to move on from Jim Harbaugh. But if there's one thing that could do it, losing to Michigan state in Mel Tucker's first season, that's, that's the thing, you know, that's, that's the scenario where this season spirals down to a place where all of a sudden that, that becomes, a realistic conversation because, I mean, the one thing that Jim Harbaugh has done for the most part is he has avoided the really demoralizing 
unforeseen yeah, yeah. losses. I mean, that that's what was different about this. I mean, I you know I would have to look back and yes. off the top of my head, but I can't imagine there's been another game in Jim Harbaugh's tenure when he's lost as a twenty plus point no, favorite. No. I mean, that's yeah. that's the game that Jim Harbaugh has has always found a way to win, and you could rationalize it by saying. Yeah, you know, sometimes when it's when it's an even playing field or when Michigan is playing a better team, Jim Harbaugh's teams have not been at their best and that's disappointing, but you know, at least he goes out there and he takes care of business in the games he's supposed to win. And all of a sudden if that's not happening, then I think that that does put it on the table to at least have the discussion can Michigan do better? Should Michigan expect better? Because I don't know that Michigan is going to go out and find anybody who's going to make them more competitive with Ohio State. Certainly not right away. Right, yeah, that's But they, they can find somebody who can who can beat Michigan State. And if that's where it is, then I think that becomes a, a legitimate conversation. Yeah, so much of all this depends, obviously, you know, like any coach, it would be about, you know, how you, re- how you rebound here and how you finish the season and everything else and how you get guys to sort of rally and, and these types of things. Because, you know, these, these losses are you know, not acceptable, but I mean, they do happen, I guess. I mean, you look across the board in college football, we do see stuff like this in Michigan. We've seen this stuff with Michigan State for years and years and years where they get into a situation where they feel like they're just better than them and there's no way on their best day and our worst day that we're going to lose this game. So we'll see what happens here. And then they lose. And it's like, well, or they or they get, you know, the shit scared out of them and they're, you know, hanging on for dear life at the end. Like, that's the thing when I look at this stuff, and they've lost, and we've talked about this a thousand times. They've lost that, they've lost that player-driven uh, ability to, you know, spread that mental fortitude around to everybody. And that's it's just when Harbaugh first got here, even when things got, even when they were in games where things got wobbly or things were looking rough or whatever it was, they had an ability to sort of look inward on the sideline, not panic not start blaming the officials or going off on this or going off on that. And they would just grind their way out of it. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but they were rarely in a situation where they looked like they were just completely lost. And, you know, when those older kids graduated, the younger ones that have come through just haven't, you know, barring a few stretches, it just hasn't been there for any type of consistency. And that was the one thing last week that I wondered, you know, maybe is this turning a corner? Because, I mean, it looked like a very confident group that really believed in each other and that when things were going to get difficult was going to be able to look to each other to get out of this. And, you know, that's the thing that's really kind of hard to deal with here is that who are you looking to to help you get out of this when when it really gets into the, the hot waters? And they just haven't come up with enough on the sideline. And I just, you know, it's... It's the same movie over and over again. It's the same thing that we see constantly over and over. And it's just, you know, when does that stop? I mean, when are they going to perform better in these red letter letter games? I mean, when are they going to, you know, show up in a game where you know the other team is going to show up with everything it has and, you know, and do this every time in a season? I mean, you know, we've all made, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of reasons why certain things haven't gone the way that they dreamed they would go when this all started. And that's fine. People can do whatever they want. But this is the sixth year here. Okay. Like this is, that stuff has to be done and over with that fantasy island stuff about, well, he just needs more of this and the more of that. And this wasn't fair. And if that had changed, it would be different. There's a like 500 page list now of things that if they'd gone this way, maybe it would have worked. You could do that about any coach. The time, the time is done of, you know, the the days of putting him on this pedestal of an untouchable college football coach that is somehow bigger than this program 
and you could never do better than him are done. Those are over. You can't do that anymore if you're Ward Manuel. You can't do that anymore if you're Mark Schlissel. You need to start looking at Jim Harbaugh like a college football coach that works for you and not the other way around. And yeah. that, you know, I'm not trying to say that that's how it always goes, but I'm just saying I've been here the whole time. They need to start looking at this for what it is and not the other way around. And I get all the reasons why you'd want to keep them. I get all of them because a lot of them do make sense. And maybe that's what they do. And maybe it's what how they go forward. I have no problem with that. But to just close it all off and say that there's no way, you know, Jim Harbaugh blessed us with his presence when he took this job and we were desperate for it back in 2014 or whatever. No, man, he hasn't lived up. He hasn't lived up to his end. You paid him what you paid him and he hasn't given you anything back in terms of those title rings that you thought you were getting. So those days have got to be done. That's my takeaway on this whole thing here. I don't know what's going to happen. But like you said, Austin, I mean, this year probably complicates a lot of this stuff. And who knows, right? I mean, the contract, all these things that we've yeah. talked about. But just sitting here and, and, and telling yourself that there's no possible way you can do better, like that's not any way to go forward here. If you're going to do that, then I don't know what you're, what you're spending, the type of money that you're spending on. I mean, at least dial back your, your finances if that's what you're going to do. But, you know, that, that seems like those days are probably done. Yeah, the contract situation is definitely a, a complicating factor here because, you know, according to Jim Harbaugh, they were close to an extension last yeah. winter. Right before the pandemic hit, and boy, you know, can you imagine if they, you know, if they had signed a, you know, five to seven yeah, year yeah. extension at eight million dollars a year right now, people would be furious. Um, you know, I I thought that there was a way, a pathway through this season that we could get to the end of it, and there would be a a broad consensus that yes, the right thing to do is is to give Jim Harbaugh a contract extension, and I think part of that was part of that was. You know, frankly, I think Jim Arbaugh has done a you know, about as good a job as you can do, just guiding a program uh, yeah. during all of this. I mean, oh, yeah, totally. We can have the debate yeah. about like, should we be playing college football right now? Should mm-hmm. the Big Ten be playing? You can look at what's happening in some places and ask that question legitimately. But I think Jim Arbaugh has done a you know a, a pretty solid job as just the you know the leader of the program through this time, and if. If the results this year were just, you know, if there was just enough there to give you hope for the future, then I think that we could get to the end of this year and say, you know what, Jim Harbaugh's got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. He's got a young quarterback to build around in Joe Milton. He did a good job leading the program through a tough time. Let's let's do this extension. Let's sign on the dotted yeah. line and move forward. I, you know, I think that that was a legitimate possibility going into this uh but it's hard to feel that way right now you know it's 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 hard to feel in the wake of obviously that performance which may have been you know may have been the low point of of Jim Harbaugh's time here it's hard to see getting to a place where at the end of this year this fan base is going to enthusiastically say yes new contract yeah. uh long term extension we're going the right direction i you know, it's hard to feel like we're going to be able to get to that place now. Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible, I guess, like you said, but it, it just seems murky today, you know, and again, I don't want to rule anything out because this year has been so crazy. But I think for me, it's just gotten to a time where if you're the leadership here, you it's time to, and if it hasn't already started, it's time to really, truly evaluate this. It's just evaluate it. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that you need to go and start making, you know, rash decisions or storming the gates and pounding on doors and being like, this is bull, you know, what is this? But you need to you need to look at the full picture here. 
And it has to be less about, well, we're just going to put all of our faith in Jim to figure it out. And it has to be, sure, if he's still going to be your coach, then yes, you want to put all your faith in Jim to figure it out. But you also have to be monitoring it. And you have to be watching and you have to be examining everything that's going on year to year. And what is getting better and what isn't getting better? And why are, the, why are those things not getting better? And stop making excuses for yourself about why you think they're not getting better and start really looking into what's happening here and whether or not this is good enough. And I think that that's, that's all a lot of people are probably asking. And maybe that's happening, you know, on a deep level somewhere, you know, upstairs. But I mean, for the most part, Ward Manuel has been a pretty hands-off guy. I think that's how he operates. And I don't have any really gripes or anything about that at all. But I mean, you know, he's been deferential to coaches. That's his style. He wants to support his coaches. He wants to be there for them. He doesn't want to be a situation where he feels like he's constantly judging them and, you know, nitpicking on everything they do. And that was, in, in a lot of ways, that's the opposite of what Dave Brandon was like at times. And that's all good stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to evaluate it. And there was this thing about Harbaugh for so many years that it was just like he graced Michigan with his presence. He could have gone anywhere he wanted and he came here. So we are never going to look at him uh, with, you know, a cross eye or we're never going to question anything he does. We're just going to go forward, just keep pushing ahead. And you know what? If he'd have given you Urban Meyer results, you probably would have done that. It would have been fine, but he hasn't. So you have to do your job now and you have to evaluate it. And I think that that's, that's where this all goes down to is they have to make some, they have to have some conversations with themselves, all parties involved, including Jim, and figure out what they want to do here because like to just continue going forward without any, you know, sizable alterations. I don't know what's the old saying about, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's the definition of insanity. I mean, like that's where it feels like we're headed here. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over again and it's not working and you wonder why, like, I mean, they've made changes, they make tweaks, they make things that go differently, but they're, they're never enough. And it all ties back to the, the one constant here is the head coach. So you know, what is, I mean, you got to evaluate it. I think that that's the whole thing. He can't be untouchable. And I think that that's the hard thing for a lot of people at Michigan. And it was the hard thing, I, I assume, for people when, whenever somebody would chirp or get mad and blah, 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 and it was early on, you'd say, okay, well, it's still pretty early and you don't know yet. And, you know, he's a good coach. He's not a bad coach. You know, I don't, I don't think we would say that today, either of us, that he's a bad coach. I don't think yeah. he's a bad coach, but you have to evaluate and you have to be fair about it. And I think that that's where they're at. And um, there just seems to have been this not non-starter. We're never even going to look at it. That was always the the you know the thing that people would hear, and you know, I mean, I think that those days probably have to be done because I think you just have to call a spade a spade at this point. I think the theme with Jim Harbaugh and the reason why he's still the coach today, the reason why he may well be the coach next year, and and maybe beyond that, is every time in his tenure that you think things are about to go off the rails, he yes. finds a way to get it Great back point. on track. And, you know, that Wisconsin game last year was one of those moments. They went to Wisconsin and just got it handed to them, 35 yeah. to 7. And we looked at that team and said, this team, you know, this team may be a 6 and 6 team. Yeah. Like, that team was a mess at that point in the season. And you know what? They got it pulled back on track and they won nine games. And it didn't feel like a success. And it wasn't. You know, it certainly wasn't everything that people wanted. It it mm -hmm. wasn't totally satisfying, but it was still a nine-win season. And that that's what Jim Harbaugh has shown he can do is when you think that they're about to fall apart, they find a way to put it back together. And that's probably what I expect this team to do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that wherever this ends up, 
I think that they are going to come back from this and probably, you know, put it together in a way that makes you feel a little better about this season. And in a way, that's that's the most frustrating part about it, you know, because exactly. it's like yeah. in some ways, a lot of fans probably feel like, you know what, let's just bottom this thing out. You know, it's a weird season anyway. Uh, at least it would be clear and unambiguous what, what yeah, we should right. do next, you know, if, if they go one and seven or whatever. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I think the track re- record with yeah. Jim Harbaugh is – they're going to win a couple games that you don't think they're supposed to win. Uh, they're going to bounce back from this. Indiana's a tough game this week. I don't know what's going to happen, but it certainly would not shock me if Michigan came out this week and looked a lot more like the team we saw in week one than the team we saw in week two. Yeah, that's the best point that any of us could make, I think, is that it's not going to be clear. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that that's like as much as you'd like, if you're an AD or a president or whomever, like, or a donor or whatever, as much as you get personally invested in these people and you want them to succeed and you want to see that these decisions did all the things you hoped they would and more, um, you know, oftentimes you're allowed a pretty easy out when things get really clear, you know, and it's like, well, you know what, this is, we like this, like Brady Hoke. I mean, they yeah. all loved Brady. I mean, they all, I mean, Brady had his flaws. Don't get me wrong, but everybody, everybody at Michigan was rooting for him. They all wanted it to work. They, they were desperate for it to work. And it just got to a point where it was obvious that it had fallen off the rails. Um, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh football is going to get to a point where it's obvious they've fallen off the rails. And that's the hardest thing about this is that, like you said, I mean, like they're, their worst season in some, if they continue, if evidence of what we've seen every other year with how they've rebounded from some of these things, their worst season is still going to be better than what a lot of places' worst seasons are. And, you know, their best season, you know, their average season is going to be something that most places would trade, you know, trade places, you know, with you for. Uh, and it brings up that old, you know, like what's the, what was the dude at uh, the brand, uh, Frank Solich? Frank Solich, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, Frank Solich. Yeah, like Tom Osborne retires, Frank Solich comes in and isn't winning national titles and beating people 100 to nothing every week, so they fire him. <laughs> and they've been spending 30 years or whatever it's been trying to figure out how to beat anybody. So, mm. like, that's the alternate side that you don't want to have. But, you know, that's the thing is it's just not going to be, it's not going to be simple. And it's going to be something where all parties are going to have to really, really start to get more serious about, you know, what do we need to do here? Because this stuff keeps happening and there are things that need to change. And I don't know what all those things are. We're not allowed into anything. We see nothing. They show any, they don't show anyone anything ever all the time. Take our word for it. Take our word for it. Take our word for it. And then that's what, you know, that's why people always get so furious. And then those are the, and so that's it. I mean, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to get on here and just start saying that you need to fire so-and-so. I mean, I cover the Lions for crying out loud. We don't do that on the Lions (laughs) podcast, but I mean, the end of the day, the decision is whatever they make it. But I mean, I can't say that, you know, it's just gotten to a point where you, and it, it was like this last year, I thought, you know, you can't, you can't just deem him some untouchable figure that could never be judged or never be evaluated you know, and that you could never possibly break. T- I mean, that's and that's what it felt like for several years. And, you know, and I think that, you know, if, if it wasn't already clear, uh, this game shows it that, you know, he's not of this untouchable elite level, uh, you know, that we see in college football. He is not Urban Meyer. He's not Nick Saban. Uh, and you can say whatever you want about those guys and what they do and how they go about their business. But in game, 
you go watch Nick Saban and Urban Meyer football teams about how they've handled themselves in games when it's time to make a decision, and you go watch how Jim Harbaugh teams have handled themselves in games when it's time to make a decision, and you'll see two different things. He's not in that category, and he's being paid like it, and uh, I think that's what drives people nuts, and I think that's what gets people to a situation where they wonder how you keep going forward with this. How do you just keep going forward and, and, and hoping that it changes and not fully evaluating it? And I think that that's, that's where you're at, is you have to be probably more honest with yourself in all part in all parts of the whole thing. And if the if the end answer is you keep going forward with Jim Harbaugh and you think that's your coach, then that's what you do. But you you, you know, you have to be willing to, you know, take that dive, so to speak, and really ask tough questions, tougher questions probably than have been asked in the previous several years, uh, and just be more honest about where you're at. All right, folks. Well, that was fun while it lasted. Sorry, we couldn't keep it going. Uh, yeah, last week's show was fun. Hey, you never, you never know. They could come. I mean, Indiana's a ranked football team, Austin, for crying out loud. First yeah. time in like twenty-seven years or something, they're ranked higher. But yeah, no, the people aren't going to be not furious about that one for a long time. So yeah. Well, if we've learned anything about this season, it's uh, not to uh, not to ever assume anything. So uh, we will uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Hey, you're going to be on with Colton uh, later this week. That'll be yeah. a much happier conversation. Yeah. I'm sure, so. uh, the Michigan this State fans who want to bask in this a little longer, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have that show for you too later this week. Thank you for checking out The Beat. Thank you for supporting all of our work at The Athletic. We appreciate it, and we'll be back to talk to you soon.